0: This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city is screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of power. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland as then. He moves in darkness. For some, he is a Uber, a name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You're crazy! you Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight yeah! is here to remind them. Hey, Batman, good guys wear black. Hey
1: everybody! Welcome to episode 152 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, and the man that runs our Twitter page. That's right, it's Liam. Liam, welcome to a new month
2: of reviews here at DCAU Review. That's right, and we are returning to where it all began. So We are picking up with another month. Of Batman the animated series reviews and we're starting it off with a a very famous episode and uh, we're excited to see if it lives up to the height we're talking this week the man who killed Batman
1: that's right Uh, another another legendary pretty high up on the list episode from my recollection of a lot of those lists that came out that actually inspired us to do our own version of this podcast uh, back uh, several years ago now. Uh, so, very much mm-hmm. looked forward to w- re watching this one and checking to see whether or not it lived up to the hype. So, we will get to that in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, uh, as we always do each and every week, I know that you have the IMDb official synopsis for this week's episode, which, as you mentioned, The Man Who Killed Batman originally debuted, Liam, get this, back on February 1st, 1993, which means uh, It just celebrated its 28th anniversary.
2: That's right. And uh, I will get that synopsis for this episode. As you mentioned, The Man Who Killed Batman, which was written by Paul Dini, directed by Bruce Tim, with music by Shirley Walker and animation by Sunrise. And that synopsis reads as such. A small-time crook tells his story of how he accidentally seemed to kill Batman, and how now everyone wants to kill him next. Hmm, I don't like the choice of words for that one. How now? Also, you mixed uh, present and and past uh, tense in that sentence, so... Clearly not an English major that wrote that one. C minus, C minus.
1: <laughs> All right, well, Liam, let's jump into our plot for this week's episode. Uh, as as the IMDb official synopsis attempted to do so, uh, so we have a Paul Dini written episode here. First and foremost, we need to get that uh, out of the way, and directed by. Uh, the legendary Bruce W. Tim. I don't know if he got the W in the uh, in the credits for this one or not but uh, at the time Bruce W. Tim as he was known and uh, so we have we have here an episode that kicks off with a, a young man or probably not a young man, a middle-aged man who is <laughs> uh, desperate to get in to see one Rupert Thorne who of course we were introduced in a few past episodes uh, including Two-Face parts one and two who as we know, he is a crime boss of sorts. And uh, this young man, Sydney, needs to get in to see Mr. Thorne because he has an urgent issue that he needs to address uh, with, with mo- crime boss Rupert Thorne. A Sydney debris to see you, sir.
0: Send him in. Mr. Thorne, I'm so grateful you're willing to see me on such short... No- Nonsense, Sydney. Come in. Join me for a demitasse? No, thank you, sir. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about the leather. Mm. I hear you've made quite a name for yourself on the street, Sydney. What is it they're calling you? <laughs> oh, yes. The Man Who Killed Batman yes uh, no that is i didn't oh mr thorn i'm in big trouble no no just relax man and tell me what's on your mind
2: yeah this is uh, uh that's it's kind of inter- interesting uh, framing device uh, as kind of simple and, and and comedic as the basic plot is that this this goofy guy who's barely you know competent or well you know well respected enough in the criminal underworld to even be a look uh it is he seemingly has accidentally killed Batman but they also tell it as sort of most of the episode is a flashback as a yeah it starts with uh we see this you know this man running through the streets scared and he comes into Rupert Thorne's uh house and begins to tell this story of how he he just wanted to make a name for himself and now he's now he, he, he accidentally offs Batman after sort of bumbling himself into a struggle and, uh, and sort of gets this rep that he, that he doesn't, doesn't deserve and doesn't really want. And sort of put him in the path of not only every other sort of lowlife thug Gotham, but also, as we see a little bit later on, some of the, the true baddest of the bad as far as super criminals go.
1: That's right. So he's, uh, he's out and he mentions that he's trying. It's interesting. I thought it was funny that he openly admits he's trying to work his way up through this crime family and uh, (laughs) into the underbelly of Gotham. Uh, So he is, he's out on this uh, drug. They're on a drug run. And uh, it sounds like off the bat that his, his fellow criminals on this uh, are looking to kind of set him up as, as the patsy there's an offhanded backhanded comment about him, uh, being too busy dealing with Batman uh and, and as the lookout uh to kind of kind of keep the heat off of these other three gentlemen that are with him and wouldn't you know it as Sid the Squid is up on the roof fantasizing about uh his his recently given moniker of Sid the Squid and how his tentacles are going to to reach throughout Gotham and the underbelly of Gotham who happens to show up but the Dark Knight and uh Batman sort of I guess maybe is a little bit off of his game uh or just through some happenstance as he kind of uh Sid the Squid ends up slipping on his own flashlight which causes him to sort of lurch at batman batman pushes him off and throws him to an a a giant television antenna that just happens to swing him around and sort of uh, hit batman back and then he trips over uh he being Sydney trips over the edge of a building as he's backing up a batman goes to reach him and in his panic uh he drops his flashlight down and it hits this uh this what was it a propane tank i believe or something like that a giant mm-hmm. propane tank uh which causes it to leak uh start leaking batman is attempting to pull him up and he's sort of pulling batman down I, it was it was akin to like when a child is is struggling in the deep end of the pool and at the same time drowning the person that's trying to help them <laughs> Let's go! was very, very eerily similar to that. And so through that, he sort of pulls Batman down and by the cowl removes Batman's cowl and Batman falls seemingly to his doom all at once. Meanwhile, these other gentlemen that had seen uh, Sydney sort of take on Batman and, and sort of from a, a distance believe that he was, he was fighting Batman as opposed to this sort of uh, haphazardly falling over himself bit uh here's the giant explosion and they, they go up to find sydney clutching bat or bat or sydney comes down off the roof clutching batman's cowl saying that it was an all an all an accident uh much to the surprise of of the rest of the gang
2: yeah i think that's that's kind of a fun a fun bit there is they he he he's whole you see the explosion and then him holding the the cape and cowl and we'll certainly get more into that in visuals a little bit but yeah he's seemingly on, on top of the world for a moment after that they take him to the the local dive bar to celebrate and he's sitting on the chair with the, the the cape and cowl draped over the chair behind him it's a, it's quite funny and and then of course uh someone calls him the toughest man in gotham which of course ignites a a bar brawl which is a pretty fun little slapstick segment and uh you know it's fascinating to me mostly about this story Um, beyond kind of the quirky Paul Dini of it all. um, It's a very Dini script for, without, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, But what really just stood out to me is it, it's shocking to me that this pitch got to Fox kids and they did a bit where they're like, we're going to follow this like schlubby, nothing happening, goofy guy for 22 minutes. Batman's probably on screen, for a combined if you count the opening the intro to the show and the static image of him that's over the end credits he's maybe in the show for three minutes of the entire runtime (laughs) uh and that they were able to uh to get that greenlit and and bring out such a unique episode but yeah it's it's really from i think just the way the story is told to do this much of an episode that just a batman episode that doesn't feature batman doesn't even really i mean obviously batman's still central to the episode because again like we said his his uh his killing you know his quote-unquote killing of batman makes him a hero and then also sort of puts him on the radar of of every other thug and in fact the joker and we we also get to see uh, uh bullock and and montoya kind of finding out about this about the this homicide that's come in, and and they're reporting that Batman is dead. So even sort of the cops have gotten wind that he's gone, and uh, and that's sort of uh from there, <laughs> that leads Sydney right into the crosshairs of uh, of a lawyer named Harlene Quinzel, which <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing at this point maybe they didn't know that was going to be her actual real name. Yeah, I
1: guess, I guess not. Uh, because she
2: walks up and says, my name is Harleen Quinzel, and they don't, like, go, oh, the criminal, Harley Quinn, you're under arrest.
0: <laughs> Just one minute, please. I'm Harlene Quinzel, legal counsel to Mr. Debris. I've paid his bail, and he doesn't have to answer any questions until he's formally arraigned. Don't I know you from someplace? I think I served you a subpoena once. It was a small subpoena.
2: Right. (laughs) So (laughs) um, there is kind of a snide. uh, There's a a cute little uh, bit of dialogue between her and Bullock where Bullock kind of seems to recognize her. But um, yeah, that just feels like something that's kind of retroactively like she just introduces herself as herself as her real legal name and uh and takes uh takes sydney out of out of the the holding cell and uh right into the uh the lair of the joker i think is this also the first appearance of the hyenas but in lieu it may very very well, i'm trying to think well harley's only been in two right she was in almost that we reviewed at least in production order correct That's tough to say, again, because, you know, many episodes may have aired before this that we haven't covered because we're reviewing in production order. But, uh, you know, Harley was in Joker's favor and then she's in uh, Almost Got Him. Right. Uh, And then now and now this one, unless I'm forgetting one, but. So yeah, I believe this would be the first appearance of, uh, of the hyenas. They aren't named yet or, and it isn't clear that they're actually Harley's pets <laughs> just yet, but it, it was kind of cool to see. I, I had not remembered that they were in, or that, and, and then it sort of dawned on me, not only are they in this, I think this is their first appearance.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. I think that's a good pull. Yeah. That we get the very, the origins of, of Bud and Lou, the, the hyenas. Um so yeah, so from from there we get uh the, the Joker uh approaches and or is is has brought Sydney to his his hideout and is sort of uh, talking to him about this and talking about the rumors that he's heard that Sid the Squid has off to the bat and he's going to put it to the test. So he uh he sets up this he sets up this uh heist that they're going to do, they're going to run a job and and, and break into a, a jewelry store and they do uh, waiting for, for Batman to arrive and much to the Joker's surprise, uh, despite the fact that he, he did not believe uh, Sid's story uh, he, what do you know uh, he, Batman does not arrive to save the day <laughs> there's a funny interaction where Harley <laughs> is wearing uh, a bunch of stolen jewelry and comes up to the Joker and he tells her to put the jewelry back because it's just not the same without Batman. Wee,
0: look at all the pretties!
1: Put them back, Harley.
0: Oh, Mr. J, you're such a kidder. You never could... I said put them back! (gasps) Sure, boss, I can do that. This is me putting them back, no (laughs) problema.
1: Without Batman, crime has no punchline. then... Uh, Leads to a trip to the Ace Chemical plant, uh, which, of course, would later on make a reappearance in the Beware the Creeper episode. As we know, it is the uh, D.C.A.U. origins of where the Joker became the Joker. And uh, and with that, the Joker decides to have an impromptu funeral, not for Batman, but for ultimately Sid himself.
2: (laughs) yes it's uh it's an incredible scene this is a scene um and we'll certainly talk about it more in acting specifically but it's it's a pretty iconic scene i think in the series is as the joker discusses you know the great pain that he feels knowing that that he he'll never get to be the one that kills batman that he you know that the hours he spent trying to pick uh, pick the perfect death trap uh how he was going to kill him and, and and then uh yes, it's sort of at the end there as he's <laughs> as he's trying to uh gain his composure and, and regain his happiness, he says he'll be smiling again when uh when he's once they have offed Sydney, so they lock him in a coffin, send him down a conveyor belt into a, a bunch of acid. Uh, at the time, Sid thinks he just was lucky and must have washed out of a drain pipe and that's how he survived but uh as we sort of begin to wrap up plot here as as he's recounting the end of the story Rupert Thorne is getting angry and angrier at him and you know refuses to believe that this guy could be this stupid and and uh, and or lucky and uh (laughs) and uh pulls a gun on him thinks he must be trying to to muscle in on Thorne's turf and that is, of course, when we reveal that Batman is in fact alive and has sort of been using the cover of uh, of his his apparent death to sort of uh, shadow Sydney and and sort of cleaning up his messes as uh, as he goes along and gives a uh, gives Rupert Thorne a good a good thrashing both for uh, for pulling the gun and also for uh, apparently being the mastermind behind the original uh, drug. The drug deal that was going down at the docks that sort of kicked the whole episode off. So it's a fun little ending, but yeah, it is. It is really just a fascinating, quirky, funny Paul Dini tale that mostly doesn't feature Batman.
1: Yeah, it's it's. We've talked to, honestly. This seems to be a theme that we've really, really enjoyed, uh, and we can we can get ready to get into our scores here for the plot. Um, you know. <laughs> The best, some of the best episodes that we've covered so far have been episodes that have featured heavily on something other than Batman himself. Uh, a lack of Batman does not equal a bad episode. Uh, and it's interesting because maybe as a child, it wasn't one of your favorite episodes. And I don't remember necessarily loving or hating this episode. Um, I don't think that it's one that we necessarily had. I don't think we, we, if we did have this on videotape at some point, it wasn't one that we watched very often from my recollection. Um, But it still feels very familiar in because of the amount of times probably seeing it in, in reruns. And then again, on when it came out on DVD, but with that said, a lack of Batman, as we've established, is not equal a bad episode. In fact, sometimes I think we could pretty much say at this point, for the majority of the time, a lack of Batman usually means a very well-written episode that has to be more focused and relied on uh, the actual story itself driving it, uh, which kind of makes for, for more of an interesting uh, episode to watch as opposed to Batman punching and kicking or, you know... Batman kind of, you know, figuring the plot out,
2: whether it makes sense for him to have figured it out or not. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, it works great because you still show Batman a capable, smart guy by the end as he's, again, sort of solved sort of the calamity and that people started to believe that he was dead and sort of used that to sort of silently move through the the criminal underworld to get the thorn thought that was actually a pretty clever way. So you still show off the, you know, the clever nature of Batman and and his uh his ability to use even seemingly his own death to his his advantage. But yes, it also gives you a vehicle to explore uh, and it also kind of I think shows whereas most again, most of the criminals are so happy that Batman's dead and that they're they're all going to kind of catch a break, they think whereas uh, again, it's even though he's not a major part of this episode, the couple of scenes with the Joker and focusing in on that, that relationship, which I think has been explored quite a bit, especially in more recent years and, in you know, the Heath Ledger Batman movie and in a, a lot of comic books, even in the, the Lego Batman movie and, and sort of, you know, uh, you know, Joker's need for Batman. And uh, certainly there's some iconic lines that we'll, we'll talk about in voice acting, but uh yeah, I, I altogether I, I really enjoyed this episode. I ended up uh with a nine out of ten for plot. I uh I really enjoyed it and and uh it's uh Sid, Sid the Squid's a pretty fun character. And again, taking a character, not only not using Batman, but having our main sort of uh pilot throughout the whole episode being a character we've never seen before. You know, it's not Alfred or Robin or even Commissioner Gordon or somebody where this low life thug we've, you know, we've never met before this episode and and kind of having him be the focus and having it still be so fun and, and interesting as an episode was, uh, was no small feat. And uh, that, that's certainly reflected in my score.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it's, it's, it's as advertised to me. I think there's a reason why this episode consistently shows up on so many people's, lists of being the best of the best. It's just done so well. And like, like I just kind of stumbled through there, the idea that not having not having Batman very much in the entirety of the runtime, I think in the 22 minute episode, I think it's probably less than probably less than two minutes that Batman is on screen uh so for for that to be done and for it to be so story and plot driven and it's a good plot and you work some humor in there and you get some of the the great paul dini writing it's amazing we talked about it when we reviewed mixia spit uh pixelated a few months back uh that these stories these somewhat dark humor and the comedic underlying sometimes zany stories all came out of the same brain as the same person that wrote, you know, Mad Love and Heart of Ice and some Mm -hmm. of those darker, more introspective tales Uh, just speaks to just the amazing writing ability of Mr. Deeney and why to this day, he's still writing comic books and writing great stories. Um, So I, for that reason, I really enjoyed this episode. I think from start to finish it's done so well that the surprise i mean obviously we have the benefit of the of the hindsight of knowing that batman isn't dead but imagine watching this as a child for the first time and you actually think that batman is dead like it's pretty traumatizing that's pretty it's pretty but <laughs> but the fact that batman shows up right at the end uh it's the reveal is done so perfectly they didn't really telegraph it for the most part um done really really well so i had i felt like i had no choice but to give this a perfect 10 out of 10. There you go. All right, Liam. So let's move on to our next category, which is going to be animation and visuals. Uh, there were a few standout moments in this episode that we can talk about for me, uh, but we will. I will let you kick things off here with what you had uh, as far as notes for animation and visuals.
2: Yeah, so it's it's not an action-heavy plot, as mentioned. It's It's much more... Uh, focused on the the i think the voice acting and the uh, and the writing are sort of what really shine here but uh, again episode directed by bruce tim and uh, with animation by sunrise sunrise is kind of that weird little subsidiary studio of one of the bigger ones uh kevin altieri the uh director on this series who was uh on our uh review of episode, off balance mentioned that uh you know he they weren't they were a very inexperienced studio when it came to this type of animation and they sort of got, they were sort of learning as they went with a lot of it. And uh, uh, it's yeah, I don't, I don't think everything's a home run. I think especially the Joker design is pretty inconsistent, um, which we've talked about before. That's not a, a problem exclusive to this uh, animation department, but uh, um, there's definitely some inconsistencies. And like I said, it's not an action heavy, uh, episode but what visuals are good or that stuck out to me that are good are really good and i uh, i enjoyed especially the as we said the joker scene is there throwing throwing sydney into the coffin and locking him down and harley is playing the kazoo uh, she's <laughs> playing playing the you know the old the old gospel hymn amazing grace on the on the kazoo uh, as the as the casket is slowly uh rolling down the, uh, the conveyor belt towards the acid. And we even see like a single tear drop down the Joker's face. And, and uh, which of course is a, that, that whole bit is, uh, is a bit of an homage to uh, the end of uh, Star Trek to the wrath of Khan. Spoiler alert. Spock dies at the end of that one. <laughs> and uh, spoiler. Oh, like oh man. I had to see that movie. movie
1: that came out 40 years ago. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Yes, I know. I, this would you. This would be the place you would think you were safe from Star Trek spoilers. No. <laughs> even here, even here, you'll get them occasionally. When I, oh, when when I when I recognize one of the few Star Trek things, I know I'm going to mention it. Uh, so that yeah, that was probably the standout visual. That and uh, a little bit at the end there when uh, when Batman uses his instead of the battering, we have the the shuriken, the uh, the throwing star. And uh, when he, you know, throw that and again, we kind of follow it across the screen and then it lands right in the tip of Thorne's gun. I thought that was a clever visual as well.
1: Yeah, um, the things that I, I totally agree with you, this wasn't one that was that was completely uh, relied upon, as we just talked about, it was very plot heavy. Very story heavy. Um, I thought S- Sid the Squid looked a little bit like uh, like he gave me some Rick Moranis vibes a little bit. Like if this was a live yes. action movie, Rick Moranis would have played him.
2: 100%. Uh, um,
1: I think it's the glasses and, and maybe like the face shape uh, would have been a, a Rick Moranis mm-hmm. casting on my side of things. Uh, in addition to that, uh, most of the most of the stuff that I had written down as far as uh, as visuals, there was some really great shadow work I thought in a in a pair of back to back scenes, and that's uh, as uh, Harleen, the lawyer Harleen Quinzel, picks up. Sid and bails him out of jail and then they get to the back of a limousine and she's uh, you kind of get this shot over her shoulder looking right at Sid and he's kind of disheveled by the amount of perfume and makeup that seems to be flowing through the air and uh, it cuts back and there's heavy shadow over over Harley and uh, cuts back to her sort of uh, starting to put the, the Harley mask on and the Harley hood on and um, then the shadow kind of reveals her face. And then the very next scene is uh, cuts to the Joker sitting on this really unique looking throne. It's like his face with hands and cards sticking out of it. Uh, they had a lot of fun with drawing this particular uh, scene for the Joker. I w- always like those backgrounds and those unique setups. You got to wonder, like, did the Joker pay somebody to make this custom throne for him? You think
2: does he have a throne guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to imagine there's somebody building all these props and stuff for for all these guys, <laughs> like. You know, like there's there's a guy who's like sewing so suits, like half of a white suit and half a black suit together There's like a tailor guy who makes everybody's clothes. Uh, and then you got to Yeah, you got to have like a giant like hideout prop guy because we you know in the one episode he has like the curtain with his face on it and like a and like a Joker phone and all this stuff. So, yeah, they, he's got to have like there's got to be like a few guys in Gotham that could probably be its own its own comic or its own. <laughs> Series just like all the different like side hustle go- criminals who are just like just make different props or clothing or weapons for other villains. Manufacturing branded uh, branded material for each each villain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we're onto something here with all the streaming services needing all of their content. Here, let's come up with a show uh about a guy whose job it is to make all the the branded content for the for the for the villains um but anyway so that on that scene as the joker gets up there's sort of you you clearly it's the joker but there's sort of this slow reveal of the shadow over his face and he's kind of half in shadow as he begins talking to to sid and
0: my boss likes me to wear a smile to work hey i've seen you you work for me the joker Come, Sydney. Please allow me the honor of shaking hands with the man who did the impossible.
1: force of habit. Uh, it's it's really really done really really well. I really appreciated the shadows there. Um, as you as you noted, there is definitely some inconsistency in how the Joker is is portrayed. But that's as we've talked about throughout the throughout these initial episodes. That was something that was pretty standard. Uh, I did happen to to notice as I was watching, especially the the funeral scene itself. Uh, a lot of the visuals looked like a Bruce Tim looked like Bruce Tim storyboards. It was interesting. Interesting, could pick it out and just like, oh yeah, that looks exactly like a a Bruce Tim drawing of the Joker. Um, and sure enough, when we did did the research, we saw that he was responsible for storyboarding some of this episode. So uh, for me, I thought that well, if they're gonna if he if Bruce Tim is the standard by which this uh, this show is supposed to be animated. And these these storyboards that he did ultimately turned into the visuals for the episode that ended up being pretty true to his his art style. I have to give it pretty high marks for that. Um, on top of that, I think that final that final scene as Batman bursts through the door, uh, you you hear Sid Sid and and Thorn Thorn pulls the gun on Sid like he's going to kill him, and you hear the gunshots go off, and Sid is like checking his body for bullet holes in a very cartoon way. And then Batman bursts through the door. You get this crescendo of music. He just sort of nonchalantly starts strutting towards Thorne, who has pulled this gun. There's a cut to Thorne with the gun uh, drawn really wide in this very dynamic pose. Batman then, as you said, throws uh, hurls the throwing star just very nonchalantly at, at the gun, a perfect bullseye right down the barrel. Uh, followed by some some knife rough housing and even even an off-screen punch that leaves leaves Rupert Thorne dazed and and landing with his chin right on the desk. Uh, really <laughs> that, that whole sequence was done really, really well. I, I loved it. Um, I I think I literally like scared scared my dog standing up and cheering here as I <laughs> as, as I rewatched <laughs> that scene for the first time in a while. You're trying to muscle in on my drug racket. You've been playing dumb so you
0: can get a shot at me. No, really. Sure, I'll get you out of Gotham, Sydney. In a pine box. <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs>
1: But uh, there was, as you mentioned, some inconsistencies. There were some inconsistencies with Rupert Thorne. Sometimes he had whites behind his eyes. Sometimes he didn't have whites behind his eyes. At one point, they cut to him and he had white eyebrows as opposed to the black eyebrows. So there was some inconsistency individuals. And I was even watching the new remastered versions of the the episode. So this is something they didn't even go back and correct in in those or or were unable to correct in those. So uh, all of that said... This isn't an episode that highly uh, that that relies on those visuals, and because of that, because of some of the inconsistencies, um, uh, it brought my score down a little bit. But still, I ended up giving a very high score of eight out of ten. What about you?
2: Nice, yeah, I'm just a tick lower. I went seven out of ten. Uh, definitely a lot of a lot of good there, uh, despite uh, some flaws. And like we said, sort of a, an inexperienced uh, animation studio in Sunrise. I think this was a uh, if this was a t. TMS episode, we might be we might be a little bit higher than we are, but definitely still some great stuff, especially that shadow work. Agreed.
1: All right, William, let's move on to our next category, which will be music. And uh, thankfully, we have the ability to listen to this soundtrack in isolation, thanks to the fine folks at Warner Brothers releasing the entirety of the Batman Animated Series soundtrack on uh, streaming services and CD at one point. Uh, so let's talk about this week's soundtrack
2: yeah so we have uh shirley walker providing the music this week and uh there's some really really interesting stuff that i think the biggest most obvious thing is it's actually right in the title sequence and then doesn't really get brought back until batman reappears at the end uh but i think what what uh, struck out to me there's a lot of organ in this episode yes <laughs> uh that that stood out to me like i said it's, it's not overused but it is used and it's very noticeable because it's just not one of the usual uh things obviously with 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 batman the animated series it's mostly you know strings and horns and and that sort of thing light light percussion you don't usually hear something that sort of uh you know ear catching for lack of a better term is that organ but uh i i enjoyed it for what it's worth yeah, I
1: thought it was really really strong. Uh, I think that the scene with uh, Sid and Batman on the on the on the rooftop uh, has some great background music and some, some tension building music as this bumbling idiot sort of fumbles through this interaction and they keep cutting back and forth between the other thugs and Batman uh, on the roof with Sid Um, there. Of course, as you said, the, the scene with the Joker that is that is very much over the top uh, the music that swells behind it (laughs) as the Joker is delivering this perfect eulogy, uh, for, for Batman, sort of, but actually really a eulogy for for Sid himself is <laughs> uh, done so well. And then again, as, as I just said, that scene, that final scene as Batman bursts into Rupert Thorne's office is the, the music just crescendos and the Shirley Walker Batman theme comes through with this driving organ. It just, it gave me chills. Um, really, really, really strong. Um, and for that scene alone uh, I ended up giving music a eight out of ten what about you
2: yeah I actually gave it the exact same score I gave it an eight out of ten as well Nice. all right
1: Liam. Uh, well that will bring us to our final category for today and that is going to be voice acting not a huge cast but we do have uh, some returning favorites and the who's who some I would dare say of Batman the animated series voices at least uh, as we discuss uh, our voice actors for today.
2: Yeah, that's right. So uh, first and foremost, we have Max Brewer uh, playing Sid the Squid. Um, uh, Max, who would be known from a, a television series called Max Headroom, which I've never heard of, but it made me laugh. <laughs> and he's like shown up in other shows playing this character. So very memorable Apparently, it was very memorable to like certain writers of the of a of a certain age, I guess. Okay. He also voiced the leader on the Incredible Hulk cartoon of the nineties, so okay, a little a little Marvel over there. But uh, yeah, I think he's 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 very funny. Like he's a funny character. He's meant to be silly character, and I think he's uh, and I, I think he he pulls that off pretty well.
1: Yeah, he's a goofy, nervous, bumbling idiot, and uh, which is interesting because. Uh, contrasting that the leader on the, on the incredible Hulk is the opposite of that. So a very interesting <laughs> choice for them uh, to eventually, uh, eventually cast that guy uh, as, as the, the, the strong smart uh, leader character on, on that show. But uh, yeah, I, I, I dare say that uh, he was, he was, he, he plays the character as a bumbling idiot. I believed him to be a bumbling idiot. I think he, he was perfectly cast.
2: Yeah, I thought he did a great job. We have uh, we have John Vernon returning as Rupert Thorne. Uh, Very good, slimy mob boss type character uh, and uh, good to see him back in. He's of of some of these uh, these kind of ancillary guys we just see a few times. I've always really enjoyed this character for whatever reason. So it was cool to see him back. Uh, we also had Robert Picardo, uh, who, again, another guy who he was on a different Star Trek show. And I don't have any spoilers about that one. Uh, <laughs> but he, 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 he also, of course, voiced uh, Amazo later on in, in Justice League. So he's playing uh, playing one of the thugs. And uh, Maurice LaMarche, who would probably be known as uh, the voice of the brain on Piggy and the brain, uh, played one of the other thugs. So. Some, uh, some fun little uh, cam- voice cameos in there and some of the smaller roles as well and then of course we have uh, Ingrid Oliu returning as Renee Montoya we have uh, briefly we have Robert Costanza as Harvey Bullock and then uh, despite only being in it for a couple of scenes uh, probably not surprising uh, Mark Hamill's Joker and our lead Sorkin as Harley pretty much steal the show in this one Dear
0: friends, today is the day the clown cried. (laughs) And he cries not for the passing of one man, but for the death of a dream. The dream that he would someday taste the ultimate victory over his hated enemy. For it was the Batman who made me the happy soul I am today. Hey, how I agonized over the perfect way to thank him for that. Perhaps with a cyanide pie in the face. <laughs> or an exploding whoopee cushion playfully planted in the Batmobile. <laughs> but those dreams were dashed by the weasley little Gunsel sitting there in our midst. The cowardly, insignificant goneth who probably got lucky when Batman slipped on the slime trail this loser left behind him. This mound of diseased hyena filth who's not fit to lick the dirt from my spats! But I digress. The time for sorrow has passed. It's time to look ahead to a future filled with smiles. And I'll be smiling again just as soon as we take that man there and slap him in that box there and roll it into that vat of acid there. No. No. I never meant to do it. Help. This isn't funny anymore!
1: Yeah, they're, they're incredible. I think, uh, I, I believe as we were preparing for this week, uh, and I think you were even talking about it on Twitter, which, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DCAUreview.com where, uh, you're over there talking with, uh, all the, uh, f- all of our followers and, uh, other DCAU fans. And, uh, we were talking about how this whole monologue is one of one of, if not Mark Hamill's favorites, uh, favorite bits from the entirety of the, of the batman the animated series run
2: yeah it's uh it's someone it's one that uh, he's like re reperformed or performed verbatim uh at a, at a, a couple different uh, sort of live q a functions at, at comic cons and even a star wars celebration a few years ago and sort of one of the ones that he talks about when he talks about sort of his favorite memories of uh of playing the Joker this is sort of the one that sticks out to him and uh, specifically he always talks about the line uh, that 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 the Joker says when when they when is resigned to the fact that Batman isn't coming to stop this jewelry heist and he you know when he says with without Batman crime has no punch line and that's that's uh, that's always been one of uh, apparently one of one of Mark Hamill's favorite lines and it is it is I think it's it's deservedly iconic for for this series as Sort of one of the, one of the great lines, uh, and following that up with the ridiculous, sort of melodramatic, over the top uh, ways in which he talks about wanting to have killed Batman himself, and and, and all of that, and then leading that to him, <laughs> hit, capping it all off after throwing him in the uh, in the cask with that was fun. Who's for Chinese? Is uh <laughs> is uh, is pretty it's pretty incredible, and it's it's just one of those things that feels very classic to really any era or any version of the joker but especially to this dcau version
1: yes and that coupled of course with arwen sorkin as as har harley and her as i already mentioned their interaction at the jewelry store her bawling and wailing as as the joker <laughs> delivers his eulogy for batman um it's it's
2: just so 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 good um yeah, and we we sh- we would be remiss not to mention also that that kazoo is actually our, uh, Arlene Sorkin playing.
1: Yeah, so I think I think there's a famous there was a famous commentary from from Paul Dini himself who mentioned that. Uh, she did it in one take and they were glad that she was able to do it in one take because they were all laughing so incredibly hard in the studio that they felt like they would not be able to get through a second take uh, <laughs> once, once she was finished. So uh, it is, it is quite memorable and, uh, and, and fantastic.
2: She's really good. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, of course, just briefly and very briefly in this week's episode, we have of course, Kevin Conroy as Batman, Um, For all the reasons we've just talked about, uh, again, I think anchored by the the Max Brewer uh, Sid performance, but with greats like John Vernon and Mark Hamill and and Arlene Sorkin around him and a little bit of Kevin Conroy as well at the end. uh, I had almost no choice but to give this a perfect 10 out of 10 for my voice acting score. nice uh yeah uh
1: kevin conroy's lines especially the the last ones that he delivers uh again as he bursts through that door uh that's for pulling the gun (laughs) that's for the drug bust and then or for the drug run and then his final one and that's for anything else that i missed uh really 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 (laughs) strong just delivered so well so batman uh you know and not as iconic as I Am Vengeance, I Am the Night, but su- super strong. Really, really, really good. Uh, yeah, and good
2: even that, that that little interaction between him and Sid as Sid sort of tries to skip out at the end there, and Batman reminds him that he's still an accomplice to, uh, <laughs> to drug trafficking <laughs> and that <laughs> he's still going to jail. And that is our little epilogue to the story as we see Sid being led into jail as uh, all the all the inmates cheer him on. Who apparently haven't been made aware yet that Batman is in fact still alive. So,
0: I don't know. In the right environment, a man of your dangerous reputation could still get a lot of respect. Here he comes! It's the Squeaker, this man in Gotham. nearly off the bat. Settled up, made a fool out of the Joker. Huh? don't mess with him a big shot at last
2: he sort of gets his uh his infamy that he always wanted and and even uh even as he's he's going to jail he's kind of happy
1: yeah and and uh he actually ends up showing up i mean obviously they canonicity is certainly debatable, but he ended up showing up uh, recently in the Batman, the adventures continue comic, uh, which you can hear our review mm-hmm. of uh, each of those comics in the archives at DCAUreview.com or on your favorite podcast app on our bonus episodes. Uh, so those, of course, those comics also happen to be written by one Paul Dini. Uh, so, or co-written by Mr. Paul Dini. So it's interesting that he, uh, he really appreciated identified that with that character enough to Bring him back uh, in his comic later on. For all the reasons that we just talked about, uh, I also had no choice but to give voice acting a perfect 10 out of 10. Very nice. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our final scores for this week's episode. Oh. Oh,
2: what do you know? Haven't heard that in quite a while. Uh, It was gathered in a little dust. Just had to make sure it still worked. (laughs) (laughs) That, of course, being the bonus
1: point sound. uh, Liam, I'm going to guess that means that you, my friend, have a bonus point.
2: That's right. And uh, this one is solely for the title card for the episode. Um, As we've talked about, Eric Radomsky, uh, the the co-creator, co-showrunner of the the series, uh, drew all of these title cards uh, for the series um and this one i just remember looking at it there's a page in the the sadly out of print now but uh, the great batman animated book that was uh, actually written by paul dini funny enough it had a bunch of behind the scenes uh stories and and promo art and production art and all all this stuff and there's a page with just a bunch of the the title cards on them and I just always remember even as like a small, uh, as as a kid, kind of when I, when I probably wasn't actually reading the book and I was just looking at the pictures of the toys and the, and the, and the art and all of that, uh, seeing that title card and being so like transfixed by it. Cause, yeah, it's just this little, just mostly black with the, you know, the words, the man who killed Batman and then the, the, the small image of Sid the Squid and you just kind of see the. The rims of his glasses lit up, lit up enough to see that it's a person and it's such a such a fantastic striking visual and it's just for whatever reason I can't even quite put my finger on why to this date but it's one of the title cards that has stuck with me more than any other when it comes to this series.
1: That's a good one. Yeah, the, uh, we've we've talked a lot about the title cards, how great they are, and you're right. Uh, this one is definitely one of the ones that sticks out just for the big, bold words emblazoned at the start. What a way to kick it off. The man who killed Batman and just this little, as you said, this little tiny, almost like a Peanuts looking style <laughs> drawn character with these giant doe eyes uh, in, in dark shadow. Uh, and then, of course, revealed revealed to be this unassuming bumbling idiot. So that's a great bonus point. I love that. All right, Liam. Uh, so that will bring us to our final scores for this week's episode. Uh, totaling everything up. Uh, I end up with a impressive 36 out of 40. What about you?
2: Yeah. And I am just one tick lower on my score with a 35 out of 40
1: man. And uh, just outside the, uh, the, but uh, the, Top picks category for both of us there. Uh, maybe maybe the next time we do a, a review episode, <laughs> uh, as we did recently on our 150th episode, uh, or maybe if we we decide uh, at some point next year to to uh, posthumously induct some of our of our deserving picks into that top pick section, this will be one of those considered. Uh, which, by the way, uh, we did have a poll up uh, on uh, our Twitter page. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Liam, where we invited our listeners to vote for a uh, induction into that top pick section. Uh, we had each given an episode uh, for that poll, and uh, I believe we have a winner.
2: That's right. And uh, thanks thanks again to everyone for voting. Uh, had some, some fun conversations and a, and a lot of nice feedback and, and well wishes from people on that 150th episode. And uh, we had a lot of fun putting it together. Um, it was certainly a, our longest episode yet, and people seem to not not mind that, and we we appreciate that. Appreciate anyone that would listen to us talk about that stuff. Had a, had a lot of fun putting it together, but uh, yes, as the results of the poll, as we mentioned, we each put up an episode with uh, with our, our Twitter friends and our listeners being able to choose the winner, and that winner is, in fact, the Batman: The Animated Series episode POV.
1: Uh, So if you
2: recall, that episode
1: was our first double feature that we did. Uh, It also featured the very first uh, bad episode that went to our bad episode jar. So it has the distinction of being both simultaneously one of our worst picks and our top picks, both on the same episode. So uh, you can check out that episode in the archives at dcaureview.com as we covered both the Underdwellers and POV on the same episode. So You can go back to peaks and 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 valleys, man. Peaks and valleys, (laughs) the yin and yang of Batman the animated (laughs) series. Uh, but yes, lots of fun with that. And if you didn't check out that 150th episode, go back in the archives at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app and check that out. We did have a lot of fun with that, lots of. Lots of fun things talked about in the episodes that we've covered thus far on the program. But Liam, uh, we are still rolling here with a month of Batman the Animated Series episodes, which means that we have yet another episode coming up next week.
2: Uh, Why don't you inform the listeners at home uh, which episode we'll be covering next week? That's right. And we got another banger of an episode to talk about this week with the return of probably one of the most visually interesting villains in all of the batman mythos and that is the return of clayface in the episode mudslide. Oh boy, looking forward to that one.
1: That should be uh, a, a great one as we revisit Matt Hagen and co. Uh don't forget folks, uh thank you for listening to this week episode. Uh, If you like us, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app, if it allows it. Uh, If not, you can share this, uh, share our episodes, tell your friends about the show. We really appreciate that. Uh, Don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to dcaureview.com. Click on the store tab at the top and buy yourself a shirt, a hat, a mug, a sticker, something to support the pod since we don't run ads here. Don't forget where you are also proudly a part of. the pod tower on YouTube so if you consume or if you know somebody that consumes their podcasts on YouTube tell them to head over to the pod tower and check us out there where uh, full episodes can be found also alongside us are uh, the guys from Tim talk and our good friends at the watchtower database putting stuff up there on that same channel so if you subscribe to that channel uh, it helps us out it helps those guys out and we get your content delivered all in Spot. Uh, looking forward to tackling mudslide next week with you, Liam. But until then, I'm Cal, and I'm Liam, and we will talk to you on the next episode of the DC Audio.
2: Adios.